I'm Jason Comstock, and welcome to We Happy Few, the podcast that allows veterans and their families to tell their stories. In this episode, Amy Donaldson and I talk with Captain Casey Talbot over Skype. Why did you join the military? Um, well, there's a lot of reasons. So, I mean, I think there's always the cliche reason that you want to serve. And I certainly uh, had those wants. Uh, one of the, it was it was something that's always been on the back burner for me, but the stars never really aligned as far as when I chose a path to go to veterinary school. Um, I also got my master's in public health, which uh, there's a pretty large public health aspect as being a veterinarian in the military. And uh, and what kind of pushed me over the edge was the need for um, just some of the benefits that the military offers, so insurance and student loan repayment and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, all of that combined and an opportunity to use my um, my education and skills as a veterinarian to to go out and serve was um, kind of all that put together uh, to do it. So, just take me um, in a little bit more detail into like. That decision, did you, uh, did somebody approach you about joining the military? Um, so, so when I, I did my, uh, like I mentioned earlier, my, my master's in veterinary public health, um, concurrently with my doctorate. And, um, I spoke to some recruiters while I was in school. My advisor at the time, he had mentioned that that was a potential career path. And, um, and then when I got out of school and took the, the job that I, I currently still have, one of my associates was a, a um, army veterinarian, and that's part of why how I got hired was that she was getting deployed as well. And um, you know, some of the um, insurance issues that were going on. This is probably five years ago, Affordable Care Act. So mm-hmm. I got kicked off my insurance. Um, I was one of those folks that uh, my insurance almost tripled, and and uh, you know, I I was kind of forced to do something at the time if I was going to do insurance. And my wife was never really a hundred percent on board with me joining the military, even though we talked about it for years leading up to this. And so when we got kicked off our insurance and we have, we currently have five kids, had three kids at the time, you know, we thought, Hey, this is a, a good opportunity to maybe um, provide us with some security, but also give me a chance to do something that I've always wanted to do, which would be, you know, I've always kind of wanted to serve in the military and, um, have a lot of military background via my family and stuff, and and so it just kind of fit. Uh, well, first of all, a little bit of a deep cut. Uh, Blackfoot or Snake River? Uh, I was born in Blackfoot, but I I uh, grew up in Aberdeen. Actually, was on the other side of Snake River. Oh, really? So. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, how does a kid from Blackfoot decide to become a veterinarian? Well, it's kind of funny. I. Uh, uh, I grew up on a dairy farm, so my I was third or fourth generation dairyman out there, and I always wanted to kind of stay in the farming community. And um, as I as I went through school, 
honestly, I never even envisioned myself going to college as I got through through high school because, you know, growing up on a dairy, you just kind of always intended, I, at least myself, always plan on going back to that dairy. And then um, as I approached graduating high school, um, we actually sold the farm and, and um, moved to Missouri, where my mom's originally from. And so as I got into college, um, you know, it's funny, I, I went and did my missionary work. So I got out of school and started, uh, started farming with an uncle, uh, went on my mission and then got home and um, kind of was, was going to jump back into farming again. And then, and it just didn't work out with my uncle. So I ended up uh, um, just taking a temporary job in a, as a factory manufacturing job. Um, working nights and about four hours into that night work I decided I probably needed an education (laughs) (laughs) that that is the best cure for not wanting to go to school right it didn't take long it didn't take long I was working in a popcorn factory so um, decided I was going to do school I uh, I didn't have a way to pay for school and I I was a halfway decent basketball player so I got my butt into shape and got a basketball scholarship and, and played ball and, and got my uh, degree in biology, science. Um, I'm a terrible student. Science uh, came easy because there wasn't a lot of homework and I only had to take two or three tests. So <laughs> a semester. So um, the, the science path was just kind of a natural path for me. And, and the veterinary field was a way for me to kind of stay close to the farming community. I, I intended originally to do like uh, beef production medicine and stuff when I got out of school. So it was a way to do, way to pay the bills and do something I loved and apply my education, but um, maybe not be the guy that would suck milk and cows every night and morning. <laughs> yeah. So when you're considering um, joining the military, um, you said that there was somebody else that you knew, another veterinarian who was being deployed. Um, what what sort of information did you have about what the job would entail or what, what opportunities you might have? Sure. So, um, veterinary in the military job is really a uh, pretty fun job. It's, it's twofold. So, there's really two kind of primary missions that we have, one being um, food safety. So, they kind of draw on our knowledge as, as a food safety officer or microbiology on the science side. And then there's also the, um, the obviously, the animal care stuff. So, um, my understanding of going into the army, uh, as a veterinarian was that I would be, uh, obviously as an officer, I'd be overseeing a team of, of food inspectors and then also a technician, a veterinary technician, um, overseeing their mission. Uh, and it's strictly a food safety thing. So may, ensuring that food arriving on bases and places is wholesome and safe and hasn't been tampered with and all that kind of stuff, especially overseas. And then, um, and then obviously take care of the military working dogs. And then there's the military working dogs is primarily what I, I did overseas. There's also the um, humanitarian and civil affairs stuff, which is more um, build rapport. So you may be going out in areas that are um, a little more remote that don't have access to veterinary care, where we can go in and help uh, help disease outbreaks caring with their, uh, you know, their, their food animal populations or, or even just assisting with their small animal care. So I wouldn't think of veterinarians dealing with food safety. 
It's, we actually, uh, how does that work? Well, so there is some training involved. It, a lot of it is um, <clears throat> like, so for myself, food safety wise, my food inspectors are going and they're, they're checking the seals on trucks as they come in. They're doing a lot of that groundwork. That's kind of stuff that I more oversee as far as the, the, our job is we're, we work directly with manufacturers. So we're going into plants, um, and just more, um, checking biosecurity and going through their lab work. And so a veterinarian, it does seem a little bit crazy. And I had the same question myself, but when you spend a lot of time looking at lab work as a veterinarian, it's a pretty easy transition, understanding what those pathogenic um, bugs are and the kind of stuff that you're looking at, looking for when you're going through their lab work. And so it's more ensuring that that product is being manufactured safely, um, which is no different from the, the meat side. So on, even on the civilian side, a lot of veterinarians um, inspect your, like or a lot of your USDA and FDA inspectors inspecting meat plants and chicken plants and that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of crossover there that maybe doesn't seem um you know, obvious on the surface, but from an education standpoint, there's a lot of crossover. Well, let me just say, as someone who's been to a few chow halls, thank you for making <laughs> sure the food was safe. <laughs> I really oh, do yeah. appreciate that. So, so what year did you join the military? I joined, let's see, 2000, I guess 2015, okay. July of 2015. And, and did you, you went in as an officer? I did. Okay. Yeah, so I started off as a first lieutenant. Right. Okay. And so where's the job taking you so far? You mean as far as what countries? Yeah, what, what countries better? and what assignments? Um, so, uh, you know, initially a lot of my training all happened here in the States. Most of our training, the veterinary side is down at Fort Sam Houston in uh, San Antonio. And then, I <clears throat> see, I've been through Kuwait, Qatar, um, Bahrain, um, Iraq, um, where we go. I've been through Oman. There's a lot of the Middle Eastern, that, that region there, but most of my time was spent in Qatar and Iraq. So what were your responsibilities while you were in Iraq? And part of the reason I asked that is I know, uh, while I was deployed to Iraq, you, we would go out on patrol and there would literally be packs of just wild dogs. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, um, they didn't let me off. Well, they, well, I shouldn't say let me off base. I my primary mission was was because uh, there's not a lot of food that that I had to go audit and stuff. Food places I had to audit there, and so I had soldiers that were located at different bases throughout the the country that we would go and um, really try to uh, help support their mission. So if I had a food inspector that covered three or four bases. I, I was responsible for the veterinary care of the dogs that were providing security on those bases, but also um, for that, that soldier. And so I would go and um, try to establish with base commanders how my soldiers were going to function on their base, whether, and part of that was the vector control, so your wild wild dogs and, and feral cats and that kind of stuff, and how we were going to deal with those animals and, um, and then provide whatever care of routine care uh, needed for the dogs while I was there. We also provided a lot of training for human health care providers so that in the absence of a veterinarian, because we don't, we can only be at one place at a time. 
Um, and it was just me and one other veterinarian covering the whole country. So, um, for emergent situations, we would provide um, some crossover training for human healthcare providers so that they could at least stabilize them and getting, get them to us where we were. So that if we needed to do um, further care or, you know, uh, send them on, we could. How, how uh, often do you work with the dogs? Like, you know, we hear the story of the, the hero dogs or the dogs that sniff out sure. the bombs or the IEDs. How often do you work with those dogs and what's that like? Yeah, so fairly regularly. I think it all depends kind of on where you end up, uh, where you want to be um, or where you end up being. So I guess what I mean by that is on some bases, they'll have a full kennel of dogs. So you'll have 20, 25 dogs that you're providing care for and you're interacting with those dogs on an almost routine basis when they when they deploy they should be arriving healthy um and so you're dealing with for the most part minor injuries unless they do happen to um you know face uh severe injuries from just the the obvious issues of being in a war but um most of that was routine care and so you're you know, I would say for me, most of it was providing medical support for the dog handler. So, um, like anything, you got to build a little bit of trust with those guys. They they love their dogs dearly and and uh, want what's best for them, and they fill you out a little bit when you show up to make sure that you're going to take good care of their animals. You know, um, there were some bases where there's only two or three dogs providing security, and so when you'd show up, they might only see you once a month or so, but you'd show up and generally do a routine physical exam on them and, and uh, make sure that they were healthy and fit for duty and um, and then provide any, you know, if we needed to, if they were due for blood testing, given their, their age or when their last test was, or if there was, there's any ongoing issues, we would uh, try to take care of those. So, I think this is a good time to thank the sponsors that make this podcast possible. If you support us, please support them. This episode of We Happy Few is sponsored by the law offices of Edward K. Brass. For more information, visit edbrasslaw.com. Be sure to check out some of the other podcasts from the Loudmouth Project. We at the Loudmouth Project want to thank Steve Bingham Hawk and the Salt Lake Marathon for supporting the Salt Lake chapter of Team Red, White, and Blue by allowing them to run the marathon course as a relay. Instead of handing off a baton from runner to runner, they pass a flag and they don't leave anyone behind. They collect runners as they navigate the course. And when a team of about 40 runners finally crosses the finish line, it's something special to see. We got the word that you guys were within range. And then all of a sudden, I see this massive blob of red. So Christy, our volunteer director, and Jen, our marketing director, we all run up there to come see them. And it was incredible. I mean, I was looking at everybody. Carter's crying. Jen's crying. <laughs> Everybody's crying. And uh, and then what was great is the entire event focused back on the finish line at that point. Steve said it was a mission of Team Red, White, and Blue which is to enrich the lives of veterans through physical, social, and service opportunities that moved him to offer the team a one-of-a-kind opportunity. I knew we could trust you, and then I knew that whatever you would touch, you, you would have. So that was a big part of it. But also, I, I love the mission of Team RWB. I wish everybody had a Team RWB, and they can <laughs> if they yeah. join. Because, uh, you know, we all need to be banding together in, in this world that is continually divisive and and rooted in in digital, which is disconnecting us all. 
The Salt Lake Marathon is the largest team event Team Red, White & Blue offers its members. It's a chance for them to run for those who've served and to honor those lost in service to this country. So to Steve, Salt Lake Marathon, and to all of our veterans, thank you. Did you ever deal with, or do dogs ever, do they have, um, I guess, emotional issues or mental, like, do you ever have that? Absolutely. No, absolutely. They, they 100% for sure do. So there's there's surprisingly a lot of uh, research, and I can't say that I'm directly associated with some of this research, but the, um, the folks at, I know, Dog Center Europe, Dog Center America, are doing a lot of work on dealing with post-traumatic issues for um, dogs that are in you know violent settings and stuff and it's amazing how affected the dog is by going through and, and some dogs it's just like people some dogs are um i don't know i don't know if i want to say mental stuff because i don't want to make it sound like those that struggle are mentally weak but mm-hmm. uh, you know some dogs definitely deal with those situations better than others i saw dogs that were on their fifth or sixth deployment and dogs that you know were on their first or second and and some of they all definitely for sure have behavioral issues um, based off what they've been through or seen in the past. Um, you know, we, we, I know the, the docs back home that deploy these dogs do their best to make sure that they're, uh, that those dogs aren't so effective that they're not able to do their job appropriately or putting with or anything like that. What kind of symptoms would they have or exhibit if they were struggling? Mm-hmm. So a lot of it's anxiety issues. Um, so I would say that's the the biggest thing. It's hard, you know, the, the hardest part of being a veterinarian is that our patients can't talk to us a whole lot. So it's mostly a behavioral thing. So um, reaction to loud noise, uh, negative reaction to loud noise, especially is a big one. Just overall anxiety and behavioral type struggles, maybe aggression in, in uh, certain settings, things like that. How do you respond when people say it's just a dog? <laughs> well, I, I'm not. I'd be lying if I didn't say that. Growing up on a dairy farm, my view of I, I may have at some point in my life shared that same thought. You know, um, having gone through, um, well, obviously becoming a veterinarian, I, I dedicated my life to taking care of these guys. Um, but obviously, as well, going and taking care of them overseas, the uh, those dogs are making some pretty big sacrifices themselves. Um, and it's, uh, they're, they're important animals for a lot of reasons. Not, not only do they provide an amazing service for the, um, you know, just in our fight against whoever we have a fight against, but they do a lot to save lives for our soldiers. And, um, it's really not just a dog. They're an incredible, incredible tool for, um, you know, what we're trying to accomplish and keeping soldiers safe for sure over there. You sort of just answered the question I was thinking of. Um, just, I just was wondering like how important it is. Is it important to have animals as part of, uh, either a peacekeeping or in, in a war zone or is that, a? I mean, does it, does that matter? Does it, does having the dogs? Yeah. Is it, is it important to the overall missions that these guys are asked to, to to do? (laughs) Absolutely, and I think that's why they're there. I mean, the military started using dogs way um, 
many wars ago and and I think pretty quickly saw the benefit to having dogs as part of the fight against um, our enemies. So, you know, they just in detection alone. So, you know, I think most people think of oh, military working dogs are out chasing down the bad guys. And that's kind of the stuff that really gets out in the media and the news and stuff. But just in detection alone um, and the, you know, I, I don't know any statistics myself per se, but but uh, I mean, I who knows how many lives have been saved just simply by um, being able to pick up on hazards and bomb, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Do you know if there's any emotional benefit to the soldiers that get to work with the dog or that have a dog working with them? Sure. Yeah. So there's, um, there's, it's funny. Some of these questions you're asking, there's a lot of stuff going on as far as, um, using animals as a way for, uh, morale building and stuff, you know, overseas. So I would say as far as the handlers go, those handlers would do anything for their dogs and they, and they, uh, they do definitely become attached and it is a morale thing. I think for the most part, a lot of soldiers are jealous that they get to be handlers. You have to be, you know, you throw in the, uh, the struggles of, of what it takes to train, transport, support an animal from country to country and that kind of stuff. Really it's, there's a lot of hurdles to jump through to get, um, strictly morale type because these military working dogs i wouldn't call morale dogs you know they're not something that you would turn loose and let everybody pet and stuff but um i definitely provided some support and care for different uh programs that are in place for providing some dogs that do just that literally nothing but put smiles on people's faces and i think it i i do think it helps soldiers uh for sure like that so is there an experience you can share where Maybe you had one of those moments where you said, that's why I became a military veterinarian. Man, let me think for a second. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's always those those little moments. I don't know that I can think of one one big moment per se. Um, you know, I I uh, I got five five kiddos, had a kid while I was gone, and a lot of people said, you know, why you why, uh, heading over there and... and doing this and stuff and and for sure as i went from base to base and was able to um you know i did i was lucky and that the wars wasn't super super hot while i was over there so i didn't have to deal with a bunch of uh, heavily injured dogs or anything like that but being able to get to a base and and provide support for these handlers that are that are out there on their own and, and they're trained some in some medical care for their dogs, but they do rely on us to, to uh, keep them going. Um, and so when you're, you know, there was times we provided some dental care for a dog that had been uh, either broken teeth or had dental disease at the point that they couldn't, it was affecting their, their smell. And so I was able to correct that and, and felt like you know, the chief performed a good a good deed, but also that you contributed to the mission to help them do their job effectively. And you felt like you were an integral, important part of the, the whole puzzle overall, you know, that there was a purpose that you were there. So, um, has military service been what you expected? Um, in a lot of ways. Yeah. In some ways, no. Um, you know, I think if you talk to any of us, there's a lot of stuff that we love about it. Um, 
and there's a, there's a lot of nonsense that you deal with when you're, you know, um, if, if you served, I think anybody that you talk to would kind of understand what I mean by that. And that, um, just, it's a government entity and you're dealing with a lot of people and a lot of moving parts and pieces and frustrating sometimes because things don't move like you think they should move and stuff like that. But, uh, I certainly don't regret, uh, joining and there's a lot that I really like about it. As a veterinarian, whether in the military or out, uh, craziest animal you've ever uh, come across that you had to work on? Oh, man. I, I'm in a little bit of a unique situation because I do a lot of exotic care, too. The clinic we're in sees um, literally about everything you can imagine. So everything from fish to giraffes to big cats to, I mean, you, you name it, there's I mean, we work on elephants, we work on, we work on all kinds of stuff. I mean, I think, uh, I haven't done hippos yet. I haven't done, <laughs> but cro alligators, I mean, literally you name it. I don't know that I could say there's one, one weird one per se, because it just seems like there's so many. Well, I hope the alligator wasn't someone's pet. <laughs> If you had to uh, choose something about your military no, service, ahead. like that's that's impacted you, or has anything about it sort of changed the person you are, or 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 the way you see uh, the world? Yeah, yeah. So, so um, some ways the military has definitely changed me for the better. Um, I think first and foremost is just the um, like adding a little discipline to my life. You know, I think that not that I'm a I'm obviously somewhat career or goal oriented getting through vet school and that kind of stuff, but it's forced me to stay in shape. Um, uh, I, I would say, honestly, that sounds maybe silly, but just as a, as an adult with busy lives and kids and everything like that, it's made me much more health conscious, which, uh, I'm very thankful for because I, I, my family does have a history of not being so healthy. So, um, it's definitely impacted my, my life in a lot of good ways. Um, because it, it makes me, uh, maybe more able to be a, a better father and, and helps me be a little more energetic and, and excited about life and stuff. As far as the travel, what was the second part of your question? Um, just if there's something that you've taken from it or if it's changed the, like, like the person you, or what you hope oh, for the yeah, future. Like the yeah. World. Yeah. Yeah. I, my wife always joked that she was going to get me out of the country before I ever joined the, you know, before I joined the military. And I was like, I'm a, I'm an American boy. I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and, uh, and it, I'm not going to lie. I, I love, love, love the travel. Um, and I love the, it's given, it's completely changed my perspective on the world and the, and the issues that we have at home and the issues that are out there abroad. Um, but it's, I would say for sure it's completely changed my view on, on a lot of things and more because, you know, we live in a very blessed country and a lot of our first world problems, when you get out and see the problems of others really aren't very big problems. Um, and I, I know it may not seem that way to some folks, but, um, we don't, we don't really have to truly want for a lot of things where we're at and stuff. So, um, anyways, yeah, there's, it's definitely changed my view of the world for sure. Were you, when you were mm -hmm. deployed, were you deployed over the holidays, whether it was Thanksgiving or Christmas or both? And and is there was there an experience or something, uh, maybe that that 
that you experienced while you were deployed, if it was over the holidays, that that you could share? <laughs> yeah, so this is going to be kind of funny because being a food inspector. So we I we left, I guess, officially, officially left in February as a reverse, a reverse service. You're kind of in and out for a couple months before you really fully take off. And then we left in February. So I missed, I didn't miss Christmas. Um, I got back right at the be- middle of December. Um, but I did, I was out of the, out of the States for Thanksgiving and we were in the middle of transitioning back to our, um, so we, I was in Iraq and we were in the middle of transitioning back to Kuwait and the, the dining facility the, on the base that we were traveling through, um, cooked all the turkeys overnight and then left them all out on the counter during the day. <laughs> and so when it was dinner time for Thanksgiving, the food inspectors condemned the whole meal and we got Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> yeah, oh that was pretty funny. <laughs> Did they, would they hand out MREs? No, a lot of, they, I don't even remember what they fed because I didn't end up going. I, me and my, uh, my team, you know, we, we, that was the first time we'd all been together in several months because we were traveling through as a team and, and so we and we all went and ate at a the, on the bases. Some of the bases have some some like a little Chinese place or yeah. something like that, you know, that somebody makes. So we all went and made ourselves sick at some Chinese place. It was awful. But. <laughs> Join us again for the next episode of We Happy Few. If you have comments about the show, please contact us by email at tips at loudmouthproject.com or on Twitter at loudmouthjason. Check out our website at loudmouthproject.com and navigate to the We Happy Few page. You can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcast, iTunes, and other places where you find interesting shows. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback, and it helps grow our audience. I'm Jason Comstock, and until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and stay engaged. We Happy Few is a production of the Loudmouth Project.